What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kafaro Cast. It is a chilly morning here in Colorado. We are going to do a, a Q&A podcast. We haven't done one in a long time, so we figured now is the time. So we got a Ron Snyder across from me here, and uh, we got a bunch of questions from Instagram on our Kafaro Cast page, Aaron's page, and I think some on the Kafaro page. Any comments, pre-comments before? Uh, no, I, I mean, we... We're getting ready to go to Oklahoma next week. We just got back from Alberta. Um, we obviously had the big game season as well. Um, and there was a ton of questions in the you know, interim, all that going on that we never answered or didn't have time or were private messaged answered. So hopefully a lot of the stuff that gets asked uh, today will solve a lot of the problems that maybe we didn't get to while we were gone. So we'll, we're actually just going to read them off. Some of these I've read through. We may not be able to read them out loud. Um, we'll go through my page, Kafaru's page, Kafaru Cast page, as well as the messages. So might take a little bit of while, so uh, a little bit of time, but bear with us. Uh, Frank, you want to start off? Yeah. Uh, some of these are funny. Drummond, good friend of ours or yours. I have only met him a couple times, but cool dude. He wants to know how bad the podcast would have been if you didn't po- edit uh, the podcast with him and uh, Alex. So I would say... We, I think we edited 36, 40, 40 some minutes out of it. And, um, it would, it, for them, it wouldn't have been bad. That was the problem because it would have been bad for me and you because names were mentioned very specifically. And a lot of the things that were mentioned, while true, um, would have caused a nightmare in the industry and a lot of he said, she said, and, and a lot of things like that, it would have been epically bad. Um, and a lot of feelings would have gotten hurt and a lot of old wounds would have been peeled back open. And quite honestly, some people have thin skin. Um, there's a lot of people in the industry that were brought up that do a very good job policing themselves to look better than they may, uh, be, um, or may, front a different um, look to the public than they are privately and these guys know them privately and that was brought up so uh, Drummond if you're asking if we're ever going to release the actual one there's no fucking way that we will ever release the actual one uh, because I cannot handle that kind of drama Um, question number two (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) Jerry Jerry Shaw wants to know if we're working on puffy pants yeah, what you see him yesterday? I saw that we're in the early stages of it. We're trying to get the fit right currently, but um, probably seventy-five percent there. Yeah, we're pretty close. I think we just want to make sure that the zippers work correctly and they fit together properly, and they're they're a good fit, and they're not just some bulky, you know, marshmallow-looking pants. Yeah, and we did um, change a little bit of things. The cuffs uh, is a Cordura cuff um, at the bottom, just to last longer for you know hiking and debris. Um, Doing a little bit, um, you know, going to have obviously some padded, not padded, uh, reinforced knees and butt. Uh, we're working on that as well. So I'd say there's 75% there. Got it. All right, guys at Finding Backcountry, they wanted to know if you're going to do more or a series of back uh, oh, of workout videos. No. How-to videos, though, like your comedy ones. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah, because I did the pizza one yesterday for the abs. Did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody can handle seeing my white legs, but Frank and I may – well, 
Frank might ditch out on the gym we're going to now because it is, I don't know what you'd say, janky. It's expensive and it smells like poo. It certainly does in the bathroom. Yeah, that's Um, bad. So, but we'll try. They're nice people, though. They are nice people. We'll try and do a a comedy tech tip every now and then. Um, You know, something probably about bulking, (laughs) the fine line between fat ass and bulking, uh, things like that. (laughs) All right. Whaley wants to know if I'll ever do a 10K giveaway. I don't know why he keeps bugging me about this. So I told him today that I was going to give away one of his rifles, and he said I had to buy the parts, so. It's not looking like that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. I'll read a couple off on mine. Uh, any questions, any suggestions on gauging boot stiffness and preference if forced to shop only online uh, or online only? You know, really, it's not, you know, it's a personal preference. You know, if you like a more flexible boot, um, if you cater to a stiffer side, um a lot of it depends on your hunting, you know, in case Frank and I, we wear stiff boots quite a bit, no matter what we're hunting. But, um, if you don't do any extreme, like crazy mountain hunting or whatever, I wouldn't focus on too stiff of boots, um, moderately stiff to somewhat flexible. Uh, if you just have super tough feet and don't mind a flexible boot, uh, but that's not really an easy question to answer. It's so subjective to each person and each scenario. But if you know, you've been super comfortable wearing fairly flexible boots. Keep running with that. Maybe go a little stiffer and try it out. But if you've got a, you know, if you're only doing it online, go to a place where you can return them, um, you know, after walking them around in them a little bit or go to REI, try to try them uh, there if there's anything remotely close to you. But, um, you know, overall, it's going to be trial and error basis and pretty hard to do over, you know, online or whatever. Um is there is any reason not to shoot small veins like the AAE Pro Hunters if your compound is tuned well and you are shooting a compact broadhead like the Iron Will? Uh, talking about for Western hunting. Um, if your bow's tuned perfectly and you, especially if you have a little bit heavier point weight up front, there's no reason not to shoot a smaller vein. Uh, I always, you know, try to go with the smallest vein you can get away with and, and still get good broadhead flight. Um, you know, where it corrects well uh, in case of a brad release, whether compound or traditional. Um, you know, the the one thing it'll help with is obviously wind drift. Um, so the smaller vein you can get away with, the better as long as you don't push it. But if your bow's tuned perfectly, you should be fine. Why do so many aero companies use blazer veins? Mm. Like a- I'd just say it's an industry thing. They probably also, you know, do have like a partnership where they get a better percentage off if they put that vein, you know, on that arrow. Uh, you know, obviously Blazer does a very good job promoting their veins. So there could be a higher, you know, higher calling for that. Uh, you know, it's, it's more sought after. So that may be why as well. Mm. Uh, but that's all speculation. <laughs> what rain gear, uh, would you choose for North Idaho, Eastern Washington, October and November hunting? Uh, the most durable you can possibly afford. Um, that place is... Northern Idaho, Western Washington is super rugged. So you're going to have that fine line of, do I buy really expensive tough rain gear, but if it rips, I'm out 800 bucks? Or do I buy relatively less expensive rain gear that may not be as good and just know I need to replace it? You can always get Heli Hansen, Impertech. Um, It's a little bit heavy. It doesn't breathe very well. Um, But, you know, all the companies make very good rain gear. The thing I would really focus on is is the durability of the rain gear. The breathability is important, but, you know, you, 
when you get into conditions like, you know, northern Idaho and western Washington, um, you know, the breathability is still important, but durability, you know, if you're going to be destroying, it's a, you know, a problem. So, I mean, the, the chicken should answer on that one. Get the most durable that you can afford. Um, and definitely, um, you know, when in doubt, Heli Hansen Impertech is going to be the most durable and most waterproof. It's just not going to breathe as well. And it's going to be heavy. Got it. Go ahead, Frank. TSD wants to know what's the best species for teaser picks. <laughs> That's a tough one. Nut teaser picks. I like that cow I posted, but he wasn't. that wasn't a teaser pick. But he, he probably had 18 inches bill. of balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm partial to the deer the deer pic- pictures, but mm-hmm. that's funny. Best pad for slide sleepers. Um, I've tried everything from about uh, from about everything settled on a sea to summit, but my hips are killing me. And this is from Bow Hunter Guy. Say again now. Uh, best pad for side sleepers. Mm. He's tried everything. And Man, settled on sea that to big Agnes Q core that I had—it's like four inches thick, and the Clement, um, just because of the way the. The, the chambers are with the Clement was another one that was really good. I would say the Clement and that big, thick, big Agnes is going to be the best. Yeah, I would think the thicker you can get and the more comfortable they're going to be. It's just you have that weight trade-off. The other thing, you might want to prop some stuff under your between your legs when you sleep. Um, it's helped me. So if you can take a simulated pillow and put it between your knees when you sleep on your side, that'll kind of help. All right. Josh Babb. What advice do you have for guys that just want to kill a legal animal, any bull or buck or cow on heavily pressured public land? Um, then he also, just do then, it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and then he says, um, you mentioned getting into animals regularly on public land. What are you doing differently than most other hunters um, who never see animals? Um, I don't know. You for answer that first, Frank, and then I'll throw my two cents in. Uh, I think uh, preseason scouting goes a long way, knowing – what to expect or where the animals might be hanging out um, is pretty nice. Getting away from the crowd always helps if you can. Uh, you know, sometimes like in rifle hunting or, for instance, I was hunting with my dad earlier this year and we had to do a little bit of road hunting and we didn't see as many animals. So I think getting away from the crowd is, can be pretty important and just kind of knowing where the animals like to hang out and where they go when they're pressured. Yeah, I mean, being mobile is a big one, whether you're backpack hunting or not, being able to to move if something's been blown out or you get in late and somebody's already blown them out of one area being mobile and able to move to you know another area and then obviously just knowing animal behavior if they're not in area a they've got to be in area b c or d so knowing where b c and d could potentially be even if you haven't been able to put boots on the ground knowing animal behavior to uh, be able to take at least an educated guess to get there. I mean, animals in the rut specifically, they need to to have sex, they need to drink water, they need to eat, and they need to sleep. If you can obviously off of an educated guess figure out where that may be happening, then you'll be able to to get there. Zach Benedict wants to know if we're going to have more apparel. Um, I would say probably, but it won't be until the beginning of next year, yeah. I guess. Puffy pants will be the next one up. Um uh, Christopher Mayberry putting together a budget bow around $700. Where should the money be spent? Arrows, release, rest, sight, etc., or more on a bow itself? Um, for $700, I would suggest, um, this is another question I saw, so I'll, I'll answer it both times, but technology in the last 10, 15 years has probably changed. The stretch would be 10%. So buying a total package off of Archery Talk or Rock Slide or something like that, that has pretty much everything together already that was high end five years ago, 
that's what I would suggest because a high-end bow five years ago isn't a whole hell of a lot different than a high-end bow today. And, my, you know, obviously if it's been taken care of, you can get one hell of a setup um, that's five or six years old uh, and be able to fit in that that $700 budget. If, if you're buying, you know, I always suggest, um, you know, definitely always buy really good components because you can always upgrade those. So if you bought an older bow but newer components, you can always take those components and put them on a newer bow. But buying a total package that's five years old, six years old, the technology is very, very close to what's out today, if not identical. Did Aaron Snyder ever hunt the high country blacktail hunts when you lived on the OP in Washington? Uh, what tactics would you use for high country blacktails? Uh, I only did one time, and uh, I treated it like a more or less a high country mule deer hunt. Um, the one thing I, you know, focused on more was clear cuts. Um, you know, focusing in on on more open areas and uh, no different really than um, uh, I would I would I guess focus on anything else, um, especially over on the Olympic Peninsula. There's there is areas where you can glass. It may not be above tree line, uh, although there is some of that. But it's more uh, clear cutted areas where they're going to come out on the edge of that timber and feed. Um, I would say it's going to be a hell of a lot more difficult. You may want to do that for a rifle hunt um, more than, than archery, but yeah, focusing on uh, the edges of the clear cuts and definitely hiking in as far as you can to get away from the people. But I only did that the one year and it was a pain and I shot a forked horn. Um, so it's not like I have a um, a lot of experience with that. Uh, the forked horn I shot was a good one for a blacktail, but um, it was an epic pain in my butt and uh, you know, it's not something I travel back to do ever because it sucked that bad. So uh, it is a tough hunt. Des Yoda wants to know, would you rather have a good set of 15s or a mid-range spotter off a tripod? Um, If I had the choice between a high-end set of 15s and a mid-range spotter, I personally would choose 15s. Yeah, same here. Uh, Cody Palacios, does Frank live in your basement? <laughs> uh, Frank does live in my basement, but it's a hell of a lot better than it sounds. Um, Frank, go ahead. It's a whole lot better than it sounds. <laughs> You've got a pretty <laughs> pimped out down there. He's got more room down there than I have upstairs. Um, and then Amy obviously cooks for us every night. And uh, we got a giant garage with gear in it, which makes it super simple when we're taking off. It's all right there and ready to go. <laughs> Can we drink a few beers together sometimes? That's uh, Bub Pap 44. Um, I guess I'm a bitch. I don't drink beer. Um, Frank occasionally does. But we can drink water and laugh at you while you get drunk. <laughs> All right. Hunting obsessed. I need a recommendation on a boot that gives a cushy ride, generous toe box, minimal drop, but stiff enough for off-trail mountain hunting, exploring, Heel strike is my kryptonite with plantar fasciitis. I've been fighting this for over a year and wasted over a grand trying to figure out on my own. Uh, thanks, boys. Keep up the good work. Uh, my first thing what I'd say is go see a podiatrist, um, possibly get some custom insoles. As far as uh, what you've described there, um, one of the uh, Zamberlin offers a pretty uh, comfy toe box and uh, some good options. I won't list a specific boot with Zamberlin, but I would say if you're going to look at a boot, um, uh, a Zamberlin is definitely one that um, uh, that kind of fits that bill. The, there's some Hanvogs that have a little bit bigger toe box, but most European companies, 
you know, don't have that. Um, I think the Vioz, V-I-O-Z, um, from Zamberlin would be the first one that comes to mind. Uh, but again, um, that's definitely something, you know, it sounds like you probably need to see a podiatrist or a professional um, to get some help there. Lathrop & Sons are another company that might be able to help you out and get you in the right direction, and their boot may work for you as well. Yeah, i got to say custom insoles have been huge for me for the, the foot fatigue, and then I had, like, minor plantar fasciitis. They, they helped a lot. Yeah. Um, TK Boots, uh, are the rumors true that you and Amy Schilling Real Estate are in the process of adopting tort life? Jesus. <laughs> we already did. Um the uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, Frank pops upstairs to eat dinner and then he pops back downstairs and occasionally we go to the gym. Let's see. But seriously, can I can only buy one 15 power SLC or 65 millimeter ATS? Um, open country, long lasting sits, 10x SLCs are always around my neck. That's an easy one. Get the spotter. Um, if you already have 10 power binoculars and you're looking at a high end spotting scope. Uh, get the uh, the 65. I have a pair of, or I have a Viper 65 millimeter and rarely use it because it isn't as clear as the 10X on my tripod. Not looking to age sheep yet, uh, just spotting legal elk and deer. Yeah, definitely get the 65. Uh, Mike Stoic, how do you hunt for a week with the same people without wanting to strangle them? Um, pick the right people. Um, uh, hunting with a week, for example, with Brian Call, I, I probably did strangle him. Um, he and I just didn't click hunting together. Nothing wrong with his style or mine or whatever. They were just different and, and certain personalities clash. Um, the other option is, too, is hunting at the same camp for a week but not hunting side by side together is another uh, option as well. But truly choosing um, a good hunting partner is as difficult, I would say, as choosing a wife. Um just especially if you're like really um, hitting it hard, um, not just for three to four days at a time, but doing multiple different hunts. Um, I don't know, Frank, have you wanted to strangle me yet? No, I think it's, I think if you're friends beforehand, it's easier to hunt with somebody. I've never really went hunting with any, like I guess a stranger or somebody I didn't know very well other than like your coach the other day. But I think knowing somebody helps a lot and you know what to expect. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it, it, I've never really had a bad experience hunting with anybody, um, but I haven't really hunted with some some people that I didn't really know very well. So, Gotcha. I'll do one more and then hand it over to you. But, yeah, definitely just make sure and choose the right hunting partner. If there's already doubt in your mind you might strangle them, then you probably want to pop smoke on that one, move to a different one. Um, from Foamy Archer, I haven't had a chance to listen to the new Alberta podcast, so this might have been answered. Uh, what were you guys carrying for gear packs for the single day hunt scenarios? I primarily do similar hunts, so I'm trying to make my gear list more effective. Um, I personally, when we were walking in, um, you know, when I had camera gear and clothing, I actually carried a duplex uh, ultralight frame and a cavern. Um, I did that because, you know, I had cold weather clothing, um, my camera gear, tripod and spotter. And it left me enough room to pack out an animal. Now, when I just was going on a stock out of the truck, I had the door gunner. Um, and I would say those two were probably um, – I would did not regret my choice of bringing those two packs. Um, they, were, they were just perfect for what I needed when we packed my buck out. I was able to put basically the whole thing in there, you know, with all the gear I needed. I had more room to need it on the stock, but I'm not ever, especially in Alberta – my final approach, I never have my big pack on. I don't have any problem shooting with it on, but 
I, um, you know, I, you know, I'm dropping it for the final approach anyway. As far as taking off from the truck, uh, the door gunner was perfect because I could fit my camera, Nalgene sandwich, all the, you know, minimal stuff I needed, headlamp, whatever. Um, and it was very low profile. So uh, that's what I brought. Yeah, I took a door gunner. It was, uh, it worked out pretty good. It was a little undersized for all the crap I had because I didn't, the first time we, we went out, I didn't know we were going to be out for that long. I thought we were just going to glass, but we ended up walking quite a bit. And uh, um, it fit all my gear. I had my spotter and tri- um, tripod strapped to the outside. So the, the rest of the hunt, I used the Eastern Rock, and that was that was great. Plenty of size, pockets for the water bottles on the side. I could strap my spotter and tripod, and then had tons of room for um, layering and, and camera gear. Let's see. Justice Nielsen. Justice, he works over at um, No Limits Archery. I believe he's in love with Dana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, how important is a quality gator for later season hunts? Extremely. Yeah. I've seen, um, I've always had good luck with the outdoor research gators, but, uh, same here. Kind of partial to them. I have a, a few of my buddies that like I hunt with in Idaho, they use different gators. And, um, I think you're always going to get a little bit of, I guess, I don't know if it's condensation, condensation or sweating. Condensation. Suation. I was going to say sweating and condensation at the same time. You get a little sweating underneath the gators, but some gators are worse than others. So um, I haven't had a huge issue with sweating underneath the, the crocodile gators. So I, I like those. Yeah, they're, they're my favorite. Uh, Justin Stark, can you explain the day six center pin system? I would like to run day six with the Valkyrie center pin, but it doesn't appear that the Valkyrie offers what Valkyrie offers would work with the 300 or 250 spine day six arrows due to the OD. I would call Bart or Brett, uh, Brent, cause I, I think they will, but, uh, the day six center pin, um, you cannot run the Valkyrie system, uh, Valkyrie broadhead, uh, center pin with the day six system. The day six center pin is basically, um, what looks almost like a nail that you drop into the arrow and then a sleeve goes over the top of that, which has your the screw-in portion of it. So you can't run them both at the same time. You can run a Valkyrie screw-in head, but not the center pin head. Um, I would call Brent, who is going to know more than me because he owns Valkyrie, or uh, Brian um, with Day6 and ask them. But I'm pretty sure that um, that uh, Brent's system will fit a 300 and a 250 spine, so I'd give him a call and ask. Uh, do you think you get more pass-throughs when the ferrule collar diameter is larger than the shaft diameter? Does that matter when compared to the hole broadhead? Uh, the hole the broadhead makes. I don't think it really matters that much. Um, I think that you know arrow flight and a heavy arrow um, and a good system matters more than you know anything else. I mean, you it can't be denied. Obviously, skinnier arrow is going to penetrate better, but. I don't know that it really matters that the collar diameter is much different than the shaft diameter in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of other uh, things to really worry about. I'll uh, say that um, they're easier to pull out of the target when that's the case. Not yeah, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> not that that's hugely important. But. Uh, Aaron Snyder, why did you switch to shooting prime bows prior to found with stick? Uh, you guys got to really work. I'm not that smart, so you guys got to work on these things so I know what you're actually saying. I switched to a prime bow just because I shot a bunch of um, different bows, um, and that's the one I liked the best. It was easy to tune. Um, I liked the uh, brace height, the length of it, uh, the draw cycle, things like that. Um, I just liked the bow. The, 
all bows make great all, all companies make great bows I, I just liked that prime um, and what it offered uh, pretty much what you would think I, I, I shot it and I liked it the best um, SD Lorax I would love you guys to discuss what the what is actually meant when you or someone says they hiked in X miles for a hunt is this miles as far as steps taken per se like what you iPhone says at the end of the day or X miles as Jesus floats to get there. Um, it's pretty <laughs> Jesus floats to get there. No, it's pretty much if you took um, a string and traced it on the trail uh, and then where we bushwhack and everything else uh, is, is how far we're talking. Uh, we don't use anything to, to track it um, other than the map. I don't, I don't use my GPS to track the distance. I did the one time just because I forgot to turn it off, but it's actually what's on a map and the route we choose. It may be actually a little bit farther than of what we walk, but if we wouldn't have gotten lost, twist and turns aside, that's how far we would be traveling in. September waiting. Uh, he wanted to know if Prime took a step back going to split limb and if it, Hoyt did anything innovative or do they just copy other bows? Um, to me, I feel like we've hit a wall in development, um, until we see a radical change in the build process and components, we won't see much improvement. That guy nailed it on the head, in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying Hoyt just copied because they always do slight changes. Um, is there an improvement in that bow over the last one? Um, you know, Hoyt is very good about releasing their products and I, and I, I've shot Hoyt for a long time off and on and. There is going to be, with Hoyts, a bow that is built for me um, in 2011 may be better for me than a bow that's built in 2013, but you could ask somebody else that and have a totally different answer. I will say technology in the last 10 to 15 years has at a max changed 10%. Uh, the string stop, uh, roller guards, uh, past parallel limb, those are, those are big changes, um, but after that, you know, there's really isn't a whole lot of difference. I mean, one of my favorite bow bows was a Hoyt Ultratech um, in like 2003, I think. Um, no string stop. I mean, it, you know, this old technology. But I, I mean, I shot that bow extremely well. I can't imagine I shoot a bow better today than I shot that one then. There may be a little bit less hand shock, things like that. Obviously, maybe a little bit quieter, a little bit faster. But, you know, there isn't going to be anything that... Um, I, I think that technology is about maxed out um, and the rest of it's just marketing. And I don't think that Prime went backwards with the split limb design. There's a lot of pros to uh, split limbs uh, when you look at the pros and cons. So unless you're just against split limb bows, I, I think uh, there's a lot of pros to, to split limbs. Uh, so I don't think they went backwards. Gotcha. Who would win a fight between Jocko and me? And you? <laughs> I don't even know. I tell you, <laughs> I could bring between, any weapon possible, and I think I'd still lose. I was just going to say, you and me versus Jocko, we'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, black belt and mm, jujitsu yeah, and all kinds of shit. I, I don't seal. I'd be afraid to shoot him. He might bite the bullet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spit it back out. Like, uh, is that all you got? <laughs> this one's funny. How many times have I been treated for STDs? <laughs> you know, let's talk about that. I don't know if you're in the same boat. I've been lucky. Never. I've been super lucky. I'm going to summarize this story here, but I had a scare once <laughs> and uh, it was along the lines of a rash. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, I'd done some not so smart things and I went in and the lady's like, that's just a rash. <laughs> <laughs> it was the happiest day of my life. Oh, 
damn, I was super happy about that. But yeah, I've never had an STD. That's kind of weird. That's funny. Uh, yeah, nothing to do with hunting. Me neither. I've been lucky. Um, thank God. I mean, obviously, you know, when I first got divorced, I went full into the rut. Um, I mean, we're talking like straight mid-November, whitetail, Kansas, <laughs> like Golden Triangle, like it was bad. Plus I was taking about 1200 milligrams of test a week. So I was not thinking correctly. So thank God nothing ever happened. Uh, but now I'm a good boy. Um, <laughs> let's see. I have a mountain. Uh, this is RC. Uh, let's see. Uh, R. Chad Hendricks, maybe. I have a mountain goat hunt booked with Jim Lancaster next September in BC. What are your rec- recommendations for gloves, specifically waterproof ones? Uh, one, I would take two sets. Um, I would make sure both have wind blocker in them, but the the lighter weight set would be, you know, wind blocker, not necessarily waterproof for your day-to-day stuff. And then I would get a good set of um, cold weather gloves, whether it be the Ninja Turtle gloves from um, First Light, First Light uh, the waterproof system that, um, you know, that uh, Sitka offers. Uh, you know, Outdoor Research makes some amazing gloves. So does Black Diamond. Um I would just make sure that they are um, – how would I put this? They've been tested like those Ninja Turtle gloves. You know, don't go off of, uh, you know, what's on sale. Make sure that they're really good. I myself run Black Diamond ice climbing gloves a lot. Um, and then I run those Ninja Turtle gloves quite a bit from um, uh, from First Light. I have a set of waterproof kind of mittens from Sitka that when it's really cold, I need those. I don't have as much dexterity, but – Pretty much any glove on, on offered today from a hunting company or somebody like Black Diamond or Outdoor Research is going to be good. Just do your research. I hate to pick for you, um, but I can also – I'll message you and go over the exact models. I don't have them that I've had the best luck with. <sighs> this one's funny. For me, what's the best cougar unit in all the states you've hunted cougars? <laughs> I've only been with one cougar, all right? Yeah, you might as well break that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You hook up with one cougar and you're a cougar hunter. That reminds me, I'm going to just tell a story, uh, a joke. <laughs> so um, Oli and Sven are sitting at the bar and Sven's like, you know, Oli, you see that barn over there? And I, yeah, Sven. He goes, well, I built that barn. I'm like, all right. And he says, you know that bridge down the road a ways? And, yeah. I built that bridge. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, you know that house right by the church? Yeah, I know it. And he goes, well, I built that house. He goes, all right, well, uh, what's your point? And he goes, well, you fuck one pig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's funny. Um, let's see here. Best tripod in the three to $400 range, excluding the head. Whew, that's that's t- I would have to say the outdoorsman, the slick, or the Surrey, uh, the slick and the Surrey carbon uh, options, and then the outdoorsman. Um the outdoorsman, the, the pro for that is obviously the durability and you're you're supporting a, a hunting company. Um, I can't say no one spoke a whole lot of English when I was at the slick booth at the SHOT Show. I have no idea with Surrey if they're pro hunting, but outdoorsman is. So I would say an outdoorsman would be my first uh, – one of my first choices. Top three pants for hunting based on quiet, durable – and good fitting. Currently running Corgate Guide Pants. They're just a bit too noisy. Not too concerned with the brand. Thanks. I'd give your top three. Like from... Um, I don't think you can get all th- three. That I, I like the I like wearing these Prana Zions for most, most everything. I mean, they're not overly quiet, but they are. They have been 
crazy durable and they fit well as far as quiet goes i think the merino pants from first light are great but and that apex dura- pant from sitka yeah both of those. durability on the on the merino pants hasn't been great this, the apex pants work they fit good they are quiet i would have to give it overall probably other than i would have to say durability and quiet would go to apex but then out the window for they're kind of expensive um Probably the most well-worn pant for us, for me, is the Prana Zion and then the, the Sitka Timberline for colder weather. And then, uh, you know, I wore every day damn near um, the Merino from First Light, the uh, um, Obsidians. It's, man, it's too much of a broad question. I don't think you can do it in just one. We're hunting whitetails this year. What type of layering system are you going to use? Yes, we are hunting whitetails. We're going to Oklahoma next Friday and then Alabama in, in December. Uh, I'll probably use a little bit of everything. I want to try out the new Cryptex stuff. They sent us some uh, fleece pants and then that fleece jacket. and They're both – I used them a little bit in Alberta, and they're both pretty warm. I'll probably take some of that Sitka stuff. I'm not a huge fan of the of the color, but it's crazy warm, and it, and they're, it's well thought out for a whitetail hunter. I just wish it wasn't that color. Haters personally. would say it's blue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, that it's, post making hunting great again did, where the guy's in the tree in the hardwoods yeah. and he's blue as shit, and, and it says haters would call it blue. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, all right, uh, Troy Wood. I would like to hear about what you would look for in a day pack: elk, mule deer, uh, coos deer hunting, but returning to base camp every night. Um, I mean, for me, uh, my suggestion would be like, you know, obviously our, our, our duplex ultralight frame uh, with a bag that's, you know, roughly 3,000 cubic inches or maybe a lid, um, you know, like uh, meat shelf combo, whether it be a cargo net type of a thing or something like that. But, you know, the, the framed, I would get, you know, maybe a 24-inch depending upon your size so you don't have a lot of overhead issues, but you're still able to pack out what you want. And then that, that frame's also ventilated so you, you, you sweat less when you're in warmer weather. Um, the hunt cast, what's your opinion on Texas private land hunts and or high fence hunts? Um, you know, the way I look at Texas and uh, high fenced hunts or whatever, I don't get too Twitter-pated about that because it's Texas. Um you know, you kind of know what you're getting into, in my opinion, when you go down there. So I don't – if somebody said, hey, do I want to go on a high-fenced hunt ranch in Texas and shoot a bunch of hogs, I'm not going to stand on my high horse and say it's high fence. I'm not going. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways I look at it like I'm going down there just to put a bunch of meat in the freezer and shoot a bunch of shit. I don't see an issue with that. I uh, believe that when people lie about it <laughs> – there's an issue, but or when they exclude that information. Yeah, when you exclude exclude that. But if somebody said, "Hey, do you want to go shoot a 240 inch whitetail uh, down on a high fence ranch?" I'm not going to turn that down, but I'm also not going to glorify it and try and fake it like a lot of guys do and make it look like uh, you know an ethical free range hunt. But I don't. You know, Texas is a little bit different. You know, story. I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of it's high fence. A lot of it, obviously, almost all of it's private land. So. I don't really mind as long as people are candid and upfront about it. All right, Thermarest Neo Air versus the Clement Static V. I didn't use the Clement at all. You, you used that oh, stuff. Oh, so. man, I, I'd have to give it to the – for the warmth, uh, the Thermarest, but uh, as far as comfort and everything else, I'd give it to the Clement. Um, I had a lot more uh, – less issues with my hips with the Clement. Uh, the R value is not quite there compared to the Thermarest X-Lite. So. Do you have a – and then your pillow. Do you use a pillow? I do now. I use that Clement one, and I'm not ever going to leave home without it. Oh, gotcha. 
I've always used the cocoon pillows. I, I like those. I, I was going to say, in, in the spirit of full candor, Clement sent me all of that shit for free. Um, I, uh, out of what they sent me, four pads, three of them were money. One of them I had issues with. So I, I didn't pay for those, just, I mean, whatever, being up front. But I did have very good luck with the Clement stuff, um, especially for lightweight and, and no hip issues. But I did have one that didn't work quite so well. Um in fact, I believe you were laughing at me because I did not sleep at all that night. <laughs> so oh, did it go flat? Yeah, it went, went flat. But and Frank has had issues with what we've all had issues with. I don't think any company is infallible when it comes to air mattresses and going flat, something leaking. They can't get it right all the time. Yeah, I've loved the, the Thermarest stuff, but I've had two or three leaky nozzles. So Yeah. Uh, KJ hatchy uh which gloves are you looking at for next september after your experience this year um i as of right now um i've got a set of outdoor research mittens where the fingers fold back uh, or the mitten folds back and then i've got a prototype from a company i'm not supposed to talk about and another prototype from another company that's a down mitten um that down mitten just for glassing to warm up your hands is pretty hard to beat. If I was to guess right now, would be that down mitten, um, just because it weighs nothing. Uh, durability wise, the the OR mitten is is far and above, uh, you know, better. Um, but probably one of those uh, three options. Would you take a frontal shot with your recurve? I have already done it, and yes, I would at the right distance. How do you protect extra lenses in your pack? Uh, we have these neoprene covers that we'll use and a lot of times I'll just wrap it up in a t-shirt or something. I, I don't put as much effort into it. I just stay cognizant of where it's at and what I've wrapped around it. Do you ever take your little yellow bags, the little gorilla bags? Uh, my little yellow bags belong to a guy named Tort. You, you don't have, have any left? You had, you took them all. <laughs> well, I use them sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Let's see here. For a first-time bow hunter, would a compound or a trad bow be better to start with? Love the podcast. You degenerates are pretty funny. Went on a first hunt this year, and it was a blast, even though I didn't get a buck. Thanks for the great content. That's from uh, Mr. Tune. Gotcha. You go first. Well, I don't have a whole lot of experience with the trad bow. I tried it out for one hunt, and I went back to the compound. I think um, – I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, if you asked, maybe if you asked Tom Clum, he might say it might be better to learn a trad bow first. And if you asked Phil, you might, he might say that it might be better to try a compound first. So I guess it depends on who, what teachers and mentors you have around you and who can help you, yeah. I think. No, I, 100%. And I mean, what do you want out of the hunt? You're probably not going to be as successful initially with a stick bow as you may be with a compound. I mean, not always. Um do you like to stump shoot? Do you like to just fling arrows? That's going to sway it over to the stick bow. Do you like more accuracy? That's going to sway it over to the compound. I would say go with what you feel you want to do and not worry about what the industry does. If if a stick bow is like calling your name, rub some funk on it. If uh, you dig on having a sight and an offset stabilizer and just dropping you know arrows over and over and over at 50, 60 yards, I'd say go with the compound. But I don't – no one can answer that but you is what I would say. You meaning the person. That was very philosophical. Go with your heart. <laughs> I love you. All right. You S love me. Serious question here from Van Patten Outdoor. Long cut or snuff? Oh, snuff, pussies. Without <laughs> <laughs> a doubt. All you guys chewing pouches and long cut need to man up. I got to say, snuff is definitely for the expert chewer. It's not something for a rookie. That shit gets everywhere. Harder was like, 
Did you see the size of the juice he takes? Lander's like, yeah, it's full three fingers and a thumb. I've seen it for the last several years. It's crazy. But I've, I've gone varsity a long time ago. I don't know how you keep it all in one little. It's part of being a man, Frank. <laughs> yeah. uh, I retired from chewing. Well, I know this guy. We talk on the phone, kill, eat, whatever. What is one piece of gear that you never uh, have never left out, that is never left out? That's a tough one. Well, it's got to be binos or, a, for me, binos or a puffy jacket, I guess. Yeah, I don't think I could answer that. One would be that that uh, GPS I use. You know, I always have that with me. Always have a puffy jacket. Always have some type of a knife. Yeah, that, that's too – I mean – I need to have boots or I wouldn't make it anywhere, right? You don't have a weapon. You're pretty well screwed. So um, Kind of too broad of a question. Yeah. Uh, good middle-of-the-road spotting scope. Um, that Nikon um, is a pretty good middle-of-the-road spotting scope, the HD. Man, that's probably the only one middle-of-the-road that's in that price range. I think it's $1,200. Um, you know, after that, uh, you know, they start to bump up in that $1,600, $2,000 $2, range. So... Um, you know, you really go below anything, um, you know, let's say that Nikon HD or something in that lines, I start to tell a guy to save that money and, and upgrade his binoculars more than anything. Hot damn, it's Jake. What's your opinion on a lot of guys in the industry being overly PC about taking game? I hunt for the adventure and satisfaction. Filling the freezer feels great. What I'm trying to get at is do you get annoyed like I do when people cry over a cow elk on film? or bull, uh, thanking it for the meat it's providing. Just an example, I feel like it's a bit dramatic and it's only being done to keep anti-hunters and snowflakes off their asses. Um, I don't know that you and I, either of us, should answer this question. I think uh, I think my opinion's evolving on this. I don't think it's, for some people, personally, I'm not much of a crier. For some people, I guess they get emotional and it's a big accomplishment. But I think where people go wrong with this is they they either fake it or they'll take pictures of it and then they'll post it for the intention. So it's like, okay, I get it. You know, it's, for some people, it's it's a, a very emotional experience. But I think posting it for the attention part is where it's weird. Like one of our buddies, we'll probably talk about this later. Uh, he posted something and said that he cried because of his bull. And I like messaged him like, you're full of shit. You did not cry. And he's like, yeah, but you got to do it for the gram. I'm like, Jesus, man. So yeah. I think, I think, um, yeah, I mean, some people are more emotional than others, but I think if you're doing it for the wrong reasons and just posting it for the attention, I think that's pretty, pretty dumb. I think that if your natural emotion is to cry after taking an animal, laugh, whatever, uh, without getting uh, too crazy on this, you don't need to post everything to social media. Yeah. Um, I don't have any issue with any emotion shown if it's a true emotion. Do you need to post a video? Uh, do you need to post a photo or whatever? That's up to each individual person. If you're doing it for social media status is where I think it's wrong. If um, my coach Perkins, I, if, if, if he would have shot that deer and I was there and he cried – He's an emotional guy, you know, basically his son. I look at him like a father. I mean, it's emotional time for him. We've been through a lot together. But it, but why on earth would I fucking post a photo or a video of a man I look at as, as a god crying? 
that makes no sense. And I think it takes away from the moment. It takes away from the animal. It takes away from the sport. And whoever's doing that, I think when you fake that bullshit, should stop. It's silly. Uh, well, we're going to have to edit that out. It is – when I say that meaning you're taking away from <laughs> – you're taking away from the experience in the moment – to promote it on social media, I, I don't think that that's right. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I mean, if you're a crier, cry your ass off. I don't care. But the moment that it changes and you're taking away one, you just took a life. And I'm the most – I'm not – I'm desensitized, right, whatever. But you just took an animal's life. Respect the animal. Respect the person and respect the moment. Don't do it for the gram. You know, do it for the love of, of what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, please stop doing stuff just for the gram. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, if it's like a super technical approach of how we're going to shoot a mule deer, you always have to post that. Well, just don't do it for the – don't do something <laughs> purely for the attention. No, I was talking about the dick I drew on the ground. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that was important though. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Cody uh, Turner 77, any crazy new products for the typical Rocky Mountain hunter this coming year? And are you guys still trying to put together those hiker seminars in place of going to expos? Um, I can't talk about the products. We're working on puffy pants, a couple other things. I can't really go into that. We are planning on trying to do some of these hikes, but as this uh, podcast grows and Kafaru grows, um, they're turning into less and less just because we can't uh, can't keep up. Yeah, as of right now, we'll be at we'll be at Sheep Show. Aaron's got a couple of seminars he's doing um, for the trad stuff. So that's just tentative right, right now. Um, maybe you have touched on this, but uh, this is from uh, Travel uh, Trav Lab. Um, going over single bevel broadheads and which direction offset you need to fletch your arrows. If you're shooting a left bevel, you got to shoot left helical, right bevel, right bevel, right helical. Otherwise, the broadhead, as it hits the bone or animal, it's spinning one way, your arrow's spinning another, and it'll it'll unscrew. Kurt uh, M. Gary, what stove do you recommend for the super tarp? How long is the burn time on the different stoves when loaded? I just suggest an 18-inch Smith Stillander, and I'd say 30 minutes is about the max you're going to get burn time, um, depending upon the situation. Go ahead, Frank. This is going to be a long podcast. Jesus. <laughs> We're not even, yeah, I'm not even that far in. Uh, predator calling sequence, e caller, mouth calls. Um, it depends. This is very, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is like the trad bow versus compound bow thing for e callers and hand calls. Some people are like, uh, you know, mouth, mouth calls are the only way to go for a real quote unquote um, predator hunter. I've had good luck with both. I personally, right now, I like um, I like using e collars. That I think the one of the main benefits you get with an e collar is you don't have to just set it right next to you. Set it out 50, 75, 100 yards away from me. That takes the attention off of you. So I I like using e collars. I have a ton of mouth calls. Phelps um, actually sent us some mouth calls to use uh, this season. So I use both. I like both. I like the e collar slightly more. And as far as calling sequence go goes. Um, generally, I'm starting off with like a baby rabbit, moving on to a, a, an adult cottontail or jackrabbit, and then a pup in dis- distress. That's kind of the basics. Later on, as you get in season, those calls, the dogs become pretty, um, pretty smart to the, or the coyotes come become pretty smart. That's another thing. Calling calling coyotes dogs, people don't like that. 
Well, there's medication for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, later on in the season, you know, I like to switch things up, try out a, a bird distress call. You can try fox distress calls. You can try all kinds of stuff, fawn in distress calls. So stuff that they haven't necessarily heard all hunting season long. So um, it's kind of nice to switch things up a little bit later on to something new. All right, here's one from uh, Chris Faber. I am a second-year bow hunter on a budget and would like to do some black bear hunting. That being said, the cost of having a black bear hide tanned and turned into a rug. My local taxidermy shop is a little outside my budget. My main reason for getting into hunting is for self-sufficiency aspect and to bring some and to bring home the meat for the consumption. In your opinion, is that a cardinal sin to leave a bear hide in the woods and only take home the meat? Is it something that is hunting, uh, something that the hunting community in general would frown upon? Love the podcast. Thank you so much for all the knowledge you guys share. Um, and then there's some replies to this. Um, uh, one guy said, try and tan yourself. Nothing to lose, I reckon. Um, and then they talk back and forth about that. So, um, Justin Stark, very common sense reply, check out the regs. Most likely the hide needs to come out for the fish cops to check, even if you don't plan to tan it. I'd say if you just want the meat, don't feel obligated to keep the hide. Let's break this down into a deeper um, look at it. How many bears get killed by um, federal trappers and dumped into a ditch? Um, you know, a lot. Uh, in some states, you don't even need to bring the bear out because it's a predator. You just kill it. You can leave it. I wouldn't get overly concerned about the hide. I don't think there's anything wrong if you're, um, I mean, it's it's an informational deal. Learn how and try and tan it yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But I wouldn't get too Twitter pitted if you bring the meat out and you just check the hide in and chunk it. Um, I wouldn't get too worried about it. I know personally, I'm not wearing elk robes around. Um, I don't have a bear hide jacket. Um, we've got some bear hides hanging in here, but other than to hang and show people, we're, you know, we're not making quivers out of them and shit, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Someone wants to know my thoughts on the new Prime Logics. I never shot the Logic. Uh, I like the looks of the new bows. I ordered a 35 and a Target bow already, so we'll see how those turn out, but I haven't shot any of the new Logic, so I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, if I consume um, testicles, will I become more in tune with the rut? I think so. <laughs> Only if you swallow them whole. Yeah, you got to eat them whole. That Frank's got a point there. Don't chew them. Um, you just got to swallow them. No homo. Uh, have rubber boots made much of a difference while whitetail hunting for you? What would you say is more important piece of gear during whitetail season? I'm going to say that we haven't even worn rubber boots yet because I just got some, and I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. Um, I would ask a whitetail hunter. I just go out and kill them sometimes. I'm not really a professional. Trying to decide on a new compound bow site, what are some of your favorites? I would say a spot hog can't be beat. Um, overall durability and everything else, I'd say second is a Montana black gold. Frank? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, I've almost always used, I've had one Montana black gold and all everything else has been spot hog and I've just choose the durability over everything. We do a lot of that backcountry hunting and you know, your site goes down, you're pretty well screwed. A few of my buddies had a CBE. They liked those, but I think it's more more of a target site than a than a hunting site. Pins will break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Casey Kale, can you really only get syphilis once? I say you find out for us and you let us <laughs> know. Um, report back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the guy test on the shark suit, right? I mean, take one for the team, man. Um, I'm sure there's some places down, probably on Colfax, where you know, kind of like. Testing water with Giardia, 
That's kind of like if there was a river on Colfax, it'd be full of Giardia. You can probably find it's some like a guess and there. check method. Puffy vests. I don't really wear too many puffy vests. I don't really wear too many vests. I had that um, Kadog vest from from Cryptech. I like that thing a lot. It's super warm. It's kind of more of like a um, what the f is that called? Soft. It's a it's a soft shell and it's yeah, got a fleece shell. liner. Yeah, I like it. It's warm. I want to get the jacket though. I kind of like having sleeves. Cover up them big guns. Them guns. Jason Schwartz, 24. Schwartz. Remember that uh, Christmas story when he cusses? The only name I could think of, and he blurts out, Schwartz! <laughs> um, how do you figure out what size trad bow to choose? I'm five foot eight, shoot 28-inch draw. I've never shot one in. You've inspired me to try it out and have no good dealers around. Um, there are uh, all compound shops. And uh, several... Mansickle Dan is on it with their replies. Longer is generally easier to shoot. I'm hunting whitetail with a 66-inch bow bow this year. Most popular lengths for hunting are 60, 64, 62 being the leader. Um, 66 inches, that's like as tall as that guy, right? That's 5'6". Yeah, so the one thing you will find out if you have a short draw and a longer bow, depending upon the limb and riser configuration, you can actually have stacking right where your draw link ends if it's too long of a bow because of where the... Uh, I guess you could say draw force curve is. So um, at your height, you could probably get a 58 to a 60-inch bow and not have an issue. Um, but I'd say get a hold of Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Uh, they have a ton of bows there as as well, and then they can kind of help you out there. Definitely the pro- professionals on that. African-born adventures, have you got any plans to come hunt here in Africa? No. Frank, do you that I don't know about? No, I don't. I've never really had much aspiration to hunt Africa. It looks awesome, but just the travel seems like it's a hassle. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Can we do some videos on bear chef tuning? I would say um, we probably could, but I want to just give a shout out to the alpha bow hunting guys, Phil Mendoza and Braden, Nate Kimball, Bo, Hognuts, those guys over there at No Limits Archery. Those guys have a uh, have a YouTube channel, and they're going to do all kinds of bow stuff. So, um I think it would be cooler if, if it came from them as they're kind of the bow professionals. If you are putting together some inexpensive starter arrows for high FOC, what components would you use? Um, I would, you know, if you want high FOC, you're going to have to get brass inserts. I would just get the cheapest brass insert you can find um, and just search around. Uh, hunting in solid colors. Camo is not cheap. I have a lot of backpacking clothing that I'm thinking may work for tree stand hunting. Most of what I'd be using would be either brown, gray, or black. Um, one of the things you can do, I don't have any issue hunting in solid colors, but you can always sew, but just buy a leafy top, um, super cheap, and put it over anything. I know a lot of guys that do that. I don't have any issues hunting with solid colors, but having said that, whitetail a little bit differently, especially if you're in an area where they're all cracked out. Um, just get a leafy top and put it over your backpacking clothing. Would love you to love to know how you cook all of your wild game. Um, maybe we'll have Amy on here and she can talk about it. <laughs> that could be a good one. Uh, Robbie Denning, if you were just doing three nights, four days for a backpack mule deer hunt in September with rain in the forecast, which pack and shelter? Um, three to four nights, I'd say 5,000 cubic inches. So the Muskeg 5,000, Reckoning, Mountain Warrior, um, anything like that. Um, Cavern, which is one of my favorites. Um, you know, shelter wise, if it's rain, um, you know, you could do, I mean, depending upon it's solo or, or two guys, uh, a stove is going to be kind of paramount to dry your stuff off. So you could do a sawtooth or a super tarp tut, uh, than an 18 inch Smith cylinder stove.
Go ahead, Frank. I got to go to another area here. <laughs> uh, recommendation for varmint caliber and rifle. Live in Canada and can't use ARs. I've always used a two twenty three. That's kind of been my go to, but uh, I just it just depends on what you um, what you want to do. If you want to keep the hides and stuff, um, a couple of my buddies they have the seventeen calibers. Like Dan has that seventeen fireball, and a few of their friends have that seventeen super short magnum or whatever it is. Those are great on hides. I don't think they're necessarily always good on extended shots, but I've always had good luck with the two twenty three. And um, you know, there's a, the cal- calibers are literally limitless. I mean, you can use whatever just about on on predators. So as far as rifle goes, I'm not a huge, hugely. Um, I'm not an expert on on all the guns out there, but if you want something that's pretty accurate right out of the box, I think people have great luck with Tikas. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, does Kafaro make a pack that separates from the frame to haul meat in between the bag and the frame? Um, probably uh, all of them. Yeah, just about. Yeah, let's see. So uh, the white, t- the Eastern Rock, uh, Reckoning, Mountain Warrior, uh, AMR, Fulcrum, Cavern, Crater, uh, Woodsman, Muskeg, five thousand, three thousand, seven thousand. I'm missing some. Yes, we do. Um, Arrow weight setup for whitetail for short draw length uh, of 26 and a half inches, but I'm pulling 65 to 67 pounds. Fixed or mechanical also given short draw, but decent poundage. Um, I, I mean, I'd focus more on a, a quiet bow with whitetails personally. So I would say, you know, a little bit heavier arrow, um, you know, minimum, I would say of 450 and bump up to 500 grains. Uh, as far as mechanical or fixed, um, if you don't have any... T- issue tuning fixed blade broadheads, I, I'd say, you know, fixed blade is going to be your safest bet. But uh, mechanical wise, there's nothing wrong with having two, you know, arrows or two broadheads in the quiver either. Um, uh, what differences have you noticed since switching up your diet? So I really switched up my diet heavily, probably five years ago. Um, the biggest thing is, an, you know, no inflammation in the knees, um, in the hands and everything. Uh, better gut health, more regular bowel movements, just a general better uh, feeling from day to day. A lot of it, though, I have to say is is uh, less inflammation and soreness by far. Uh, without bashing brands, would a Kafaru pack benefit an individual who has had herniated disc from a weight distribution perspective better than other brands on the market? And if so, why? Uh, one of the things is we do a really good job of keeping the weight on your hips so the weight's not compressing your spine. That lumbar pad, um, which a lot of people are copying now, but the lumbar pad definitely will help um, kind of keep things into position. Uh, so that would be the biggest thing, keeping the weight on your hips and off your, your shoulders, and then obviously the stability it adds with the belt-lumbar pad combo. Uh, would you recommend their Lathrop & Son insoles, or do you think they're a crock of shit? In some cases, I definitely say those Lathrop and some insoles are great. They do help with um, that top coating with hot spots, things like that. Uh, with some people's feet, they're not going to work as well as, let's say, a custom insole. Um, so in, I'd say yes and no. I, I don't say they're a crock of shit, but in some cases, I think people will love them. Um, in other cases, they won't work as well. I'm going to go to my messages now. Angled or straight spotter? Um that's easy for me. This is high altitude outdoors, angled all the way without question, no doubt. More versatile. You can look behind you, up, down, everything else because you can pivot, you know, the head left or right. Flagship bows are expensive as hell. How much would you, How much do you really need to have a rig that is capable of hunting 
capable accuracy at 60 yards? Are there specific features that are a must? Would you be better off, for example, with a new Power Max versus several year old Defiant? Also, what components would you make would make for a good setup to use with my 200 grain cutthroats? Not looking for a specific finance. That's just durable shaft insert fletching combo. Um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't worry too much about the buying the newest and latest and greatest. Just get a good bow. Um, I'll just message you back because that's too broad of a question. Um, are you planning on changing anything in your hunting setup for whitetail hunting? Not in my archery setup. No, um, it'll stay exactly the same. This one's probably free. What's a good weight to start with for a trad boat? A uh, trad boat? I'd say 40, 45 pounds, depending upon your size. Do you do anything uh, special to protect your camera equipment and batteries in cold weather hunts? I don't know. Do you? Uh, nothing. I don't. I think having just extra wipes is nice when, you're, when your lenses get fogged up, but that's about it for me. Do you finish the spotting scope test? Do you like Maven or Meopta more? Uh, what is the next best spotter to Swarovski? I would say the next best spotter Swarovski is a Leica, which could be considered equal and in some ways better. Um, a Kawa would probably be the next one on the list. Um, after that, you know, it's, it's, well, we'll just do a, we'll do a podcast and we'll talk about them. Jordan Wilcher, any consideration for making a fishing type system like a chest rig? Do you use specific paper tuning sequence? Um, Man, Jordan, I'm just going to call you and answer the paper tuning one because that's too much to, <laughs> to, to reply. Um, the chest rig, yes, we've been working on something for a while. Eventually, we'll come out with it. This one's a cool question. What's your favorite non-typical characteristic? I guess, obviously, this would be on antlers. And he says stickers, palmation, drop tines, crazy mass, extra beams, etc. I have to interrupt that first. Colorado Covey, Cody, wants to know, when are you going to grow a mullet? Me? Yes. I don't know. I don't plan on moving to Utah, so probably know, never. Your brood game is on point, Cody. By the way, you're looking good in the tree stand, but you got to stop eating them sugar-coated candies because you're going to have to, I mean, you, eventually it's going to catch up with you. And you're probably not <laughs> shitting right either. Uh, all right, what were you saying? What's your favorite non-typical characteristics? Stickers, palmation, drop tines, mass, extra beams, etc. Man, I, I like them all. I don't really... I, cu I, I couldn't really say one or the other, personally. Yeah, I got to say, like, um, double drop tines, that looks pretty cool. That's something that, I don't know, that's, that's something I've always thought would be freaking awesome. Yeah, for sure. What's your, uh, what's your favorite hunt that you've been on, and then uh, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Uh, I'd have to say mule deer now. Um, used to be elk. Yeah, I got to agree on the mule deer hunting. That's fun. I also had a lot of fun hunting um, archery antelope this year. That, that, was, that was a really good time. I, my favorite hunt, oh, man, I got to say that Alabama hunt, although not physically demanding, is pretty damn fun. Um, this year's hunt with you is definitely the most demanding I've had as far as uh, getting that mule deer. Um, spending two months, man, I can't answer that. The territories yeah. was awesome. Hard to say on a favorite yeah. hunt. This is an interesting question. This comes from Austin Willie Cox. <laughs> <laughs> with all the insta famous hunters and tv hunters uh they have to put down three to five animals plus a year and maybe some fish and some small game i know for a fact that a lot of these dudes are single and there's no way they could come close to eating all of that meat they say oh well i give it to a lot of friends if that's the case then at what point do they actually become a trophy hunter just shooting game for their insta for for a photo and giving away the meat man that's a that's a tough one um i talked about this with the shooting the bull guys um you know, because of how much you and I shoot, but we eat 
500 pounds a year, I bet. I mean, we eat almost everything we shoot. Um, you know, I, it's some of this is just nitpicking, I guess, you know, like some, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it's a burden of the industry. If you want to stay relative, you got to kill shit. Um, there's no way around it. And in the case of with, you know, Frank and I, we eat so much of it, it's kind of a moot point. But if you pick someone else and I guess what I would say is if they normally eat the meat and they give some away, I don't care. What bothers me is, and I know one guy specifically who doesn't eat mule deer and is one of the greatest mule deer hunters in history. Doesn't eat and it? doesn't eat mule deer. His name starts with a D and his last name starts with an L and he doesn't eat mule deer. And he's like, I don't eat that nasty shit. And that bugs me. So yeah. I don't, you know, let's say, let's, let's pick out somebody that we know that um, won't cause a shit storm. Justin Davis. Um he shoots a ton of animals. So let's say Justin shoots seven animals in a year and with his family and, and every kid and everything else and mom and, and everything, um, you know, he, he keeps five of those animals. And let's say that, you know, the elk, a couple mule deer, whitetail, and he eats most of that and he gives two away. I don't think there's any any problem with that. Some guys suck at hunting and he needs to give them to them. Some people are poor. I think that's all great. I mean, how much of, of an asshole do you want to become if I go buy groceries for somebody and give them to them on my trophy grocery buyer? Like, it is a, a resource that we have. And if you can give it to somebody, I think it's great. Where I have an issue is if they don't keep it to begin with and they're just killing it for the gram because they never – they don't eat wild game, I think that's total bullshit and that person needs to have a shit slapped out of them. I'm going to pee now. You go ahead and have that. <laughs> yeah, I think that just has to do with the – like we were talking about along the same lines of people – posting crying pictures just for the attention if you're just killing for the attention and, and i guess you're probably hunting for the wrong reasons um we do keep a lot of our meat and i do give some to family and to some friends and i think it just comes along with being the lines of, of being some sort of a, a provider i guess and we love the meat so uh i don't i wouldn't say that i just i don't think it's right if someone's just doing it for the attention so diy archery elk what state would you recommend for highest success rate along with affordability um, I haven't, I personally haven't hunted elk out of state, so that's hard to say. I know that, um, I don't think Colorado is all that expensive for out of state hunters. I think the tags around $300 or so. I know a lot of the other states are, are pretty pricey. I think Montana is probably one of the prices for an out of state OTC tag for, um, for elk. I think Idaho might be pretty, they got to pay for all those chacos and flannel shirts. <laughs> I think Idaho might be pretty, um, affordable for, um, OTC elk. I'm not sure as far as archery goes, um. Idaho does have a lot of elk. What the question was? What would be one of the most affordable OTC do-it-yourself elk archery hunts, and then also uh, success rate? Idaho, yeah, probably, yeah, probably Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, Montana would be probably at the bottom of that list because it's, it's so like nine hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, Idaho. Let's see, uh, a gag seven. I'm planning on buying my first Kafaru pack. I've narrowed it down between the Cavern Crater and Muskeg. This will be a pack for anywhere from five to ten. Which do you prefer if this will be my only pack for a while? I live in the east, so it will be for every other year. Uh, do you recommend a waterproof bag is better? Um, in some cases, yes. Um, I think a cavern um, and a lid would be a great option, and you could hunt whitetail with that if you had to as well. Um, but I, I don't think you'd go wrong with any of them. You'd be fine with any of those. How many Alberta cougars did Tort Life take down? <laughs> There wasn't. Well, there, there was, was a very, couple hugs from Sylvia. There was very slim pickings out in Alberta where we were at. Um, yeah, 
All right, let's see. What causes porpoising of an arrow coming out of the bow? Seems like it only happens sometimes. It can be a bad release, an improper tune. There's always going to be some paradox or flexing, but uh, improper tune and bad release are going to be the main ones. All right, Mitch Bled. I've been saving for a spotter to use in BC. Um, would you recommend a Leica 65 or the Zeiss Victory 85? Also, do you think magnifi magnification extender would work with the Leica or would image quality go downhill fast? I've only used that a few times, but it's pretty badass. You do lose a little bit of image quality, but it's still pretty damn good. Gotcha. I like the Leica. I like the 65 or the 85 from Zeiss personally. But. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Um, let's see. Gil oh, yeah. How about a Black Widow Aaron Snyder Kafaru signature bow? I've had a bunch of people ask me if Black Widow would do that. I highly doubt they're going to do that for a guy that just started two years ago in the industry, but you never know. Maybe they will. All right, Grant Reed, what pin would you use as a floater on a movable site? The bottom one. Who was using not the bottom pin for the middle? Was Tim that Luke? Tim Gillingham. Don't count anything with Luke. <laughs> Fuck, Luke's retarded. Um, I love you, Luke, but anything with archery, don't ever listen to the gladiators on these games. <laughs> yeah. um, fighting, everything. Listen to them, but... Uh, Tim Gillingham, I think, uses the middle pin. She um, does? Yeah. No kidding. But Tim doesn't do anything really normal. Um, I'd say the bottom one, my, personally. Uh, any plans on to make a camera holster? What do you like that's currently available? Um, I, we're not going to make a camera holster. I use that Peak Design um, Capture Pro for pretty much everything. Yeah, I'm going to have to show you this question later. I don't want to answer this one on the podcast. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. Just ask you what it is. Oh, my gosh. In 2006, I bought a Kafaru Paratipi. The, the layout kind of sucks. In fact, every time I use it, use the stove, I burn my coat or sleeping bag. I'm sure you would consider that model to be a mistake. Would you entertain giving me a discount on, for an upgrade? Just give us a call. Um, I wouldn't say it was – I don't personally like it. It's amazing how many people have asked us about it again. But just give me or Frank a call and we'll handle it. Yeah, I've known a lot of people that liked that thing. It's weird. I'm like – well, like those new K-Clips. There was yeah. a post on Kafaro Insiders. The guys were like, I don't like the new one. It's not as strong as the old one. And I'm like, really? Did you fucking test it? Because they're stronger by probably double. I was actually yeah. thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking it's the aesthetics. They don't look – they're, they're made of a polymer. They're, they look plastic. Yeah. They're stronger, though. Uh, they're I, cheaper for us to make, yep. and they're stronger. Yeah. And that's why we use them. Yep. And but I don't, they don't look as cool. No, they don't, but I like them because Fat Mike hung on it and did pull-ups and didn't break mm -hmm. it, and he bends the, the standard one. So I, I did get a kick out of it when people were like, they're not as strong. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess you tested that then. This is a good question for you. What's a, what's a good recurve for someone starting out um, that won't break the bank? Um, a used one. Call Rocky Mountain. Sam McMates one, Sam McSage, I think is what it's called. But just call Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. They're, they'll be able to help you out and probably have it on hand as well. You talk about uh, being underspined as being bad. What's the what could be a negative of being overspined? As long as you're not too overspined, really nothing. Um, you know, you don't have as much porpoise in the arrow, porpoising in the arrow when it's overspined compared to underspined. It'll correct quicker when it's overspined. I mean, other than it's so overspined, you can't get it to fly. I don't think there's a negative side. Uh, worst guest on the podcast? No bullshit. PC answer. Uh, that's from Chris Stewart. Worst guest. I can't think of any bad, of a bad guest. Well, it's out of the ones we've had. What's the worst one? Man. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't think we've ever had like a bad guest that I can think of. Well, we, I got to say some of my favorites. Posted. There's a couple that were kind of flops that we didn't post. Yeah, I can't think. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I know, um, I mean, on the opposite spectrum, some of the favorites I always like uh, when Henry comes in, man, that guy's a hilarious dude. Um, but, yeah, we've had some awesome podcasts as well. I can't really think of a negative one or one that we didn't like other than like what you said, this non-posted. Is, this is a funny one. A guy, po- Keegan, our buddy, uh, what's the meaning of life? And then another guy messaged me, how do you feel about some of the different podcasts talking about certain books? And think-? He's talking about Brian Call. Um, Interesting. I'm not going to get involved in that at all. If you want to talk about how to lead rather than just leading, if you want to talk about uh, reading about extreme ownership rather than just owning up to your shit, that's that is what they do. And 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 there's nothing wrong with them talking about it. Frank and I just do it differently. So stop trying to stir up shit. Um, <laughs> any plans to make another panel loader like the Mountain Warrior? Oh, we can't talk about that. Know anyone wanting to buy a Kafaro ultralight rifle that you guys know? Oh, he's got one. He's got a Kafaro rifle? He's got a Kafaro ultralight. Dude, um, man, get a hold of us. Um, let's see. That's Zach uh, Hunts AZ. Know anyone wanting to buy a Kafaro ultralight rifle that you guys used to make? Patrick might want that. I want it. Yeah, get a hold of us because there's not very many of them going around. Um how long does it take to get Swazi stuff once ordered? I'm going to answer all the Swazi questions right now. Um, Swazi, uh, it usually takes about a week to get it. Um, you know, seven business days. Um, I've never had really any issues. Um, I wear their stuff because it's super comfy. It lasts a long time. They're great people. Um, and it's really extremely durable. Uh, I really like their longer jackets, their rain gear stuff. Um, I mean, I, they're just great people, great to deal with, and it lasts a long time. It's not going to be the coolest looking stuff in the world unless you like that rustic look. Um, I think their stuff's pretty sweet. I do. I like it, but um, I've never had an issue. The reason why I wear it, um, it was suggested to me by Clay Lancaster. I do not have one thing from them that has gone down. No tears, no rips, nothing has failed me that they make. It's not the highest in technology in their fleece layer, but their rain gear, well, I wore their rain top that whole, you know, hunt the first two weeks. So um, I highly suggest Swazi stuff. They're great people and make a great product. Would you or do you keep a hunting journal? No. I don't either. I think it's all up in the old yeah, we take enough photos. In the brain. But, yeah. um, I mean, maybe when I get older or something and can't remember as well. I don't know. Do you rate your slick bags as a true temperature rating, meaning a 15 degree? Is that comfort or not die? It's a comfort rating for most people. But if you, I mean, being realistic, if you sleep cold, then your comfort rating is probably not going to be 20 degrees. It's probably going to be closer to 25 or 30. So it depends on how you sleep. That's with all bags. You have to keep in mind you know, how you are, you can't really complain to a company, uh, whether it be us or Western Mountaineering, if, you know, y- you get a 30 degree bag and it gets to 35 and you get cold, but you're a cold sleeper, use some common sense and buy a fucking warmer bag and don't call the factory. It's not their fault. It's yours. Cause I'm in that boat. I sleep cold. So I have to take that into consideration. Best headlamp for blood trailing recently learned black diamond does not support hunting. No, they hate hunting. Uh, a really bright one. Um, <laughs> Probably those zebra lights. Yeah, the zebras um, are pretty sweet. They're made in America. America. Well, Frank, the tank, go trad. I'm going to say no, not right now. I don't believe so. Am I? This is Justin Stark who always – by the way, Justin's an engineer. Um, for those of you who have ever dealt with an engineer, their brains work differently than everyone else's at a much higher level. Um, 
having said that, I'm going to read this off. Um, am I stupid crazy for running a non-waterproof boot in South Central Rockies? Other than a stiff boot, what characteristics do you think keep a Gore-Tex boot from leaking? I've been running a non-waterproof boot most of my time since 2012, and so far hasn't bitten me too bad. In fact, I think my feet have been drier overall, most likely gaining breathability. Um, man, he put some effort into that. I'm not even going to read all that shit. If you buy a leather boot with no Gore-Tex and just waterproof it, I see no issue with that at all, and the boot will breathe better. The Gore-Tex can make your foot more sweaty. Um, I don't think there's any issue with that. But when I say non-waterproof, don't buy a synthetic non-waterproof because there's no way you're going to get it to be waterproof. But olden days, no Gore-Tex, a standard leather brute waterproof, there's no issue with that and it'll actually breathe better. How do you organize all your gear at home to make it easier to find? How do you store your packs? I got to say, you have a way more gear than me. So um, usually I, use, I have a couple of tubs of gear, plastic tubs, and then I don't really store my packs any specific way. So. Well, usually they're piled in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. This is Jay Cuff, the guy that I ran into back there. What should a guy do when he goes full vers- varsity on his first backcountry muley hunt and packs in to several miles for 10 days just to find three muley killers and A.A. Ron camped at the top of the ridge? <laughs> oh, and Frank, the fucking tank in the next basin over, just asking for a friend. So, I mean, honestly, with, with Jake, if, if, if we were going to redo this, for example, I – I would have actually had him stick by me and shoot one of them, those deer that. By camp? Well, not just by camp, but there was other deer in there that, that I was passing up on. I know those other guys wouldn't have shot, and I would have I would have helped them get in there on them. Um, that's not going to happen every time, but, you know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, you're not going to want to screw a guy over. But he, you were forced with a bad situation because there were seven people around us total, but four that knew what they were doing for you know me and the three other guys and there jake rolls in just starting full varsity hiked in there's first backcountry hunt ever so oh lord talk about the importance of knocks i've heard it discussed that uh, minimizing the distance from the end of the shaft to the bottom of the knock throat is critical uh, but some of the same people that say that are using um, longer lighted knocks lighted knocks do, I mean, generally are not going to hit the same spot as a standard knock. Um, how a knock snaps on and the durability is very, very important. You don't want it to snap on too tight or you can get an erratic aerofly. You don't want it to be too loose or it can fall off. Um, you know, you don't, you know, definitely, you know, you want everything to be as consistent as possible. I would say right now the most consistent knock by far is the G-knock um, from from Gold Hill or from uh, Easton. Easton. Uh, the gold tip makes an okay knock. Uh, boning the F knock, I think is what it's called, makes an okay knock. But the the gold tip G knocks for for skinnier, smaller shafts are definitely the best. What factors make a stockable buck? Terrain, wind, etc. What are you looking for to make that decision? Yeah, I mean all that stuff. I th- I think first and foremost, it's going to be the wind, and then um, can you can you get into the into the position that you want to shoot from without being seen, and then also having a shooting lane when you get there. Um, um, and then, I mean, to the train definitely helps for sure. Time of day will have a lot to do with it as well. Is it in its first bed or second bed? Um, when the wind is going to shift? Um, I mean, every bit of common sense that you would think of, you need to take that into consideration. Um, I know for me, I have to look at can I get at the very farthest 40 yards from it 
um, and what are the chances if I can get to 40, 50, 60, if I don't have a shot, is it going to feed towards me or is it going to feed away if it does get up? Uh, what are you looking for in a glassing spot and how long will you glass a spot? Who I mean, sent that? Uh, Jordan Gilbreth. Common sense, buddy. You want to be able to see a long ways if you can into good terrain that an animal would live and feed in. So for me, I want a little bit of concealment out of the wind. I want to be able to see as far as I can into the good terrain where the animals are going to be feeding or going to bed. But it is simple as you would think it would be. You want to be able to see all the important factors of the animal before you kill it, meaning if you have a good glassing spot and you can only see them feed and they go up and over the hill and you can't see them where they're bed, then I would say that is a bad glassing spot unless you're going to reposition. So really just take those things into consideration. You know, you want to be able to see all that at one time and obviously not be in pain while you're glassing. Gotcha. What's your favorite spam concoction? You don't That's like all spam. You, man. you don't like spam, do you? I'm old school. I just like like it fried up on a tort with some mustard. <laughs> Late season elk in November. What's the best way to find a cow elk? Man, I haven't hunted. Let's see. It's been a few seasons um, hunting elk in Colorado in November. I think using other hunters to your advantage and seeing where where elk are kind of moving to away from the other hunters helps. But um, I think getting out and hiking is is going to be your best policy and and trying to I always do my best to get away from the crowd and, and kind of find little hidey holes where they might be, whether it be like a, a kind of a secluded smaller basin lower down away from the higher um, higher altitudes where there's a, a crap ton of snow, but um, that one can be kind of tough. Do you reuse game bags or do you use a new set on each hunt? Um, I've been using the, the tag bags for quite a while, and um, I reuse them. I usually, after I take the meat to the processor or we process it ourselves, I'll wash it off with a hose outside and get all the all the hair and all the little scrap meat off of it and then um, I'll either soak it in the in the sink for a while with some detergent or I'll just put it in, in the washing machine with a, like a no scent detergent. How to pick a camp location when hunting to not disturb the game you're after? Well, I just uh, I would definitely make sure that you're not overly close to whatever basin that you're going to be hunting or where you're going to be hunting. I've seen a bazillion times where people will, will camp right in the bottom of a basin which pretty effectively blows out the entire basin so Golden Rosie Outdoors says, Frank, what's the best antibiotic to get rid of the clap <laughs> on a serious <laughs> Is it note? penicillin? Is that right? I don't know. I wouldn't know. Man, I've never had to get rotted off the range, but I, I hope I don't ever know. Um, on a serious note, I've got the reckoning and I'm looking getting the muskeg. What are the pros and cons about the new frame compared to the old one? Um, man, for me, the new frame's just about better in every way. Um I like the ventilation other than the gap and the, you know, you got a slight gap in the frame. So I like that. I mean, that's a bonus for me. So I, I'd say it's pretty much all good on the new one. Um, I mean, in the reckoning in the muskeg, you can kind of see it. It is what it is. Different options. You got a center zipper on the one and side zip on the other. Um, can you touch on the st uh, steripins that work? In your experience, I had the Adventure Opti fail on me in September, three day into my hunt. Hopefully getting word out will help somebody else. I think you previously mentioned on a different podcast. Yeah, so um, the Adventure Opti, I'm going to go ahead and just pull these up. Um, so I'm reading the exact, the model, so I don't screw that up. So the, the Classic, um, the Aqua, let's see, there's the Katadin Sterap aqua water purifier um the ultra is good uh the adventure opti is a piece of shit so like the the classic um 
the Ultra is good, the Classic is good, and the only one that I know that is bad is the Adventure or Opti, and it's a total piece of shit. I'm going back to the questions. Wait, bad. Let's see. What of the what is one of the biggest lessons you have learned about hunting that you wished you would have learned earlier? I would say it's for people that look from the outside in non-hunters, they always think that you just go out and you step out of the truck and you kill something. It's not as easy as it looks, I guess. Or, you know, there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes stuff that goes into it, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I could even answer that. That's 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 tough. Uh, will the center pin on the Valkyrie system fit in the day six arrows? Good combo or go with an iron wheel on the day six? Man, either one. I do. I use both. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with either way, either way using the... Um, Iron Will, Broadhead, and the Day 6 components, or the Valkyrie components and Valkyrie Arrows, or Broadheads. I, I don't think you'll make a bad decision in either way. Both the people are great. I can't say enough about Bill and Iron Will heads in general. They're they're pretty amazing head. Um, and the Day 6 components are solid, so you'll be good either way. Uh, hey, Aaron, Mike here from New York City. Learned about your podcast through a mutual friend of mine, Jason. My question I'm new to archery and the struggle stick. How do you practice shooting? Right now I shoot at a at a single spot target and try to get more consistent, but are there any great drills or methods of shooting that helped you hone your ability? Thank you for all you do in the podcast. Uh, thanks for the message. Hey, what I would do, um, again, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, get with those guys, the push. They have a ton of info out. They're releasing a bunch of new videos. Um I kind of do the same drill. Initially, I shoot super close up and just practice working on my release and kind of work my way back. Um, you know, I have people film me frequently with just a cell phone so I can keep on top of that. But definitely get a hold of the guys at Rocky Mountain uh, or check out the push if you're looking at the online stuff for uh, for different um, options with that. How would you determine a good archery mule deer unit out there in Colorado? I really want to try my first archery deer hunt next year. I just don't know what to look for. I would first, I mean, first, if you haven't, if you don't have points, you'd probably want to look at the draw results and see what you can even draw. Um, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of archery mule deer hunts are at least one point for out of state residents. And then I would just do some research. There's, um, you can go on the Colorado Division of Wildlife website and see success rates. And then also there's a bunch of companies that also tell you kind of what, what units have been good for other hunters. Yeah, I ditto. I agree with Frank. What is one thing a rookie should never go get on the mountain without flesh, common sense. flashlight? Yeah, uh, <laughs> common sense weighs nothing. It's it's uh uh and 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 uh I think that um you know there's not one thing that you shouldn't leave without because you should always have a way to start a fire. You know, you sh- there's a lot of things you should have, but um I think that the one thing you should have is a good gear list that's been vetted by others uh, and good gear that. Um, you know uh, is going to work for you. If you can't test it yourself, go off of what other guys are saying that you know um, have done well. Um, and that's another thing, guys, a question I had gotten asked is gear on a budget. Um, first, buy solid colors if you can because they're cheaper, and I don't mean from hunting companies. Um, buy solid colors from, um, you know, whether it be uh, the um, – Piranha Zion pants. Um, Piranha Zion pants are a great option. Uh, you can get things on sale at any outdoor company anytime. I mean, Frank, what are some other 
um, you know, cheaper options, you know, as far as getting started. Sierra Trading Post for footwear. I mean, what are some other things? Camelfire. Yeah, Camelfire. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch. Um, I mean, I guess if you really want to, you could go look on the the sales stuff on like Cabela's and Midway USA and stuff like that as well. But yeah, I think like Camelfire um, and Sierra Trading Post are pretty huge. They always have really good gear. REI on their um, garage sale they have every year. Yeah, I mean, there's also, um, you know, the idea that you have to have the newest, latest, greatest. And I mean, this has been, you don't need the newest, latest, greatest. I mean, you don't need a new bow. You don't, I mean, arrows are important. You know, yes, you need good arrows, you know, you need good arrow flight. But I mean, what this got asked me the other day, I don't think we, I mean, we got to end this thing soon. But Frank, if you were going to pick out of what we have right now um, or don't have, Run it down. What are you taking into the field? The heavy, the the bigger items. Like what? If I could only choose one. Right. Right. So all sponsors pissing off people aside. Everything. Run down what you would take. I mean, this is where the problem lies. This was a book a guy sent me, comparing other podcasts, comparing other uh, TV shows. What he wanted to know was the reality of it all. Is that what those guys would choose um, if they were heading in the field? And I said, well, it's different with Frank and I we actually are using what we would choose. There's not a whole lot that I would, I wouldn't change anything. We are using what we want. Is there anything you would swap out that you have now? No, not really. I mean, I'm just happy to have the stuff that I had. I was thinking about this actually um, the other day when I was hunting with my dad, when we, when I was younger, we didn't even have, we didn't take binos. That was like, people didn't take binos. And when I got my first decent set of binos was, was like a Vortex Vipers. Mm -hmm. I thought that was huge. So I mean, now having um, the set of, the set of, um, size that I have now, they're awesome. And I, I think, uh, I mean, I like what, I, what we're using. We're not using just like one specific thing. And also on my birthday, somebody was like, I was wearing a, a first light hoodie at when I was holding my cake and somebody's like, I thought you're a crypt tech guy. Like, dude, I, 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 we wear all kinds of different stuff and that shit I, like the, <laughs> I like the guys from crypt tech. They're awesome. I like the guys from first sight. They're awesome. There's some really cool people that work for sick as well. We just like to use what, what works out well for us. So I don't, um, uh, it's kind of a harder question to answer, but um, I like all the stuff that we use now, and I, I have no complaints. Yeah, I can't think of anything I would use differently. Um, I would I honestly would like to try out a BTX. Yeah, we Swarovski. don't. Yeah, we don't. Have, yeah, Swarovski. Uh, and you know, to be honest, <laughs> Swarovski sucks. They don't do shit for us. Um, they don't do anything. Um, I mean, whatever, right? But I mean, like we. we um, people have been great to deal with. The guys over at SIG have been awesome to deal with. The guys at Loophole, their gals, uh, sorry, Riza, have been awesome to <laughs> deal with. Um, the guys at Leica, they sent us the binoculars and, and uh, spotter, and they've been great. You know, it's been awesome working with companies that are okay with us using several different. Um, I, I really like the um, the Spartan Precision guys. Yeah, Rob, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. awesome. We're not using any other tripods. He's he's got that nailed um, as far as for the gun, but bipods, yeah, bipods. I mean, uh, well, that one is a tripod and a bipod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that um, to answer that guy's question is, but Frank and I get paid by Kafaru, and this podcast is sponsored by Kafaru, meaning they fund it. We don't have to take in uh, money. I'm not saying we won't ever, but it'll be a company that. We're already like if Black Widow wants to offer me money, if you're listening, Black Widow, I would take it. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know if Salewa offered Frank money, I would imagine you'd probably take it because you're going to use Salewa anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they feel about hunting. But, yeah. They have, uh, they have some hunters at work. There. I, I talked to a few of the dudes, but I don't know. 
corporately how they feel. If if it's something we're already using, then it would, you know, but a lot of the other, well, on pretty much all of the other podcasts, TV shows, everything, to survive, they have to take money. And sometimes when you have to take money, you have to take a lesser product because that lesser product needs people of influence to promote it um, so people will buy it. And that's just how the industry works, unfortunately. And in some cases, Barklow and I talked about this yesterday, not everybody can afford Sitka or Kafaru or Swaro or whatever, so they're going to buy the best that they can afford. But what bothers me is when people say the best that they can afford, they bought it thinking it was the best because of what someone else said. It's just a fact of life to make a living. You know, those people are going to have to take money sometimes from companies that do make the press products, sometimes from companies that, that don't. Um, we're just in a position we don't we don't have to do that. And if I had to walk out the door tomorrow, there isn't one piece of gear I can think of that I'd say, man, I wish I had this instead. Well, rewind five, six, seven, eight years ago, that list was pretty big of, wow, I wish I had this, and we don't have it now. So it's a good position to be in. And on that note... Just we kidding. answered enough. I, th- <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm running out of questions here. Let me see if, if I can find some new ones. I'm going to refresh here. Uh, somebody asked if they can come into the shop and try on packs with different weights. Yes. If, um, we're open Monday through Friday, 8, 4 p.m. Sometimes we're here earlier, so we can uh, come in earlier if you need. Um, but, yeah, you're always welcome to come in and try on, a, on on the packs and see all the packs and all the gear. What's the best all-around bag size you found? I don't. I can't really say that there's one bag that works out well, but I'm partial to having a big, the biggest bags that we have, 7,000 cubic inch plus bags, just for the fact of um, you can fit more meat in there when you're packing out, especially on a backpack hunt for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, where do we find the windicators, that wind drifters? What do they call wind floaters? Wind floaters. Amazon is where we got yeah, them. Yeah, Amazon. I find uh, them anywhere else. You had one that were made by Ozonics, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a piece of shit compared to the other one. That's good. Sorry, Ozonics. Um, <laughs> I think we're good. I mean, I guess if you guys have anything else, um, maybe we'll start doing this like monthly. Um, you know, questions that we can answer. We didn't hit every one. Some of them we're going to have to message you guys and or phone call because it, it's just too, too in-depth. Um, I think that uh, – We've had a lot of people asking about Kafaru products, a lot of people asking about doing kind of a history of Kafaru and the position I've taken here as well as what Frank does and, and so on and so forth. And we may knock out a podcast uh, about all that at, at some point. But uh, right now we're going to focus um, on killing stuff in Oklahoma uh, and getting packed for that. So I, I can't thank everyone enough that the um, – the following we have, the downloads um, are amazing. I, I appreciate everyone tuning in, including uh, the guys that say occasionally they're going to stop listening from the profanity. I apologize, but we're not going to change that. It is what it is, and there's plenty of other like super clean podcasts. And it's just how Frank and I are, good or bad. And you know, we're probably not going to stop dropping the f bomb. <laughs> just how it is. Sorry. <laughs> Anything, Frank? Just keep hammering, guys. (laughs) Just kidding. Motherfucker. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in.